On this episode of Ham Nation, Gordo wraps up Pacificon for us. We've got Paul Brown's unique mobile push-to-talk modification. We talk a little bit about an introduction to digital modes, and Dale's got a great video on the battleship Iowa. Ham Nation is next. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This episode of Ham Nation is brought to you by ICOM. For more information, visit icomamerica.com slash hamnation. And by LDG Electronics. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art automatic antenna tuners and related products for every amateur need. Visit ldgelectronics.com to learn more. This is Ham Nation, episode 425 for October 23rd, 2019. Pacificon 2019. Good evening and welcome to another exciting episode of Ham Nation. I'm George W5JDX here tonight, along with a cast of usuals. Bob Heil will not be with us tonight. He's, I guess he's on the road tonight, but uh, we expect him back next week. But with us tonight, we do have Don down to my south, and we never know what Don's got going on. I, uh, yeah, well, neither do I, as a matter of fact, because I'm so doggone busy doing stuff. But uh, hello to our WTWW, hello to our WTWW <laughs> listeners on 5085. I swear this is iced tea. That's all it is. It's just iced tea and not the Long Island variety. Anyway, uh, hello to the WTWW gang on uh, 5085 and 12.185, I believe it is. I don't have it written down. But anyway, you know where they, they usually hang on the, uh, on the shortwave dial. If you got any ham-related uh, stuff you'd like to let them know about, email at WTWW.us. And, of course, they've got that really cool uh, request function on the website, WTWW.us. So go check that out. So hello to Ted and all the listeners uh, worldwide on the uh, on, on the biggin, the biggin. No Tamitha Scove tonight. She is feeling a little bit under the weather, but Gordon's got some information on a really cool meteor shower coming up. And, of course, we'll have the news of the week from Amateur Radio Newsline. And I've got uh, one of the Newsline uh, guys, uh, Paul, WD9GCO, with a really cool install and a great idea for uh, keeping your eyes on the road while you operate Amateur Radio Mobile. It's a really cool install. We've got that video, and that's coming up uh, tonight, George. Cool. Yeah, you know, Don, I was talking with Ted earlier this week, and Saturdays is a big ham radio night at WTWW. You need to tune in because there's a lot of ham content going that night uh, that uh, you'll probably enjoy. Unfortunately, I'm a little bit close, so I can't get 5085 here. Good on up into the evening every day. Some days are better than the others. But if you live a little bit further from the Nashville area than I do, you you should be fine. Should be a strong signal there and great programming. Yeah, there's 60 over got, for me. Yeah, I'm just a little too close. Uh, we've also got Dale with us tonight with some uh, great viewer videos. Hi, Dale. Hey, George. Good to see you this evening. Good to see uh, Gordo and Don again here. Glad, glad to be back. And... Uh, yeah, we've been uh, staying busy around here. Uh, nice 
fall weather in uh, South Central Kansas, but we've got a cold front coming in tonight with uh, rain, and it's going to be like winter tomorrow. So I don't know about that. Uh, winter can stay away for a little while longer. It won't uh, won't complain. We've been uh, piddling around with uh, software and SDR radios, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, we stay busy on uh, Sunday evenings with some of the nets around Kansas here. We're running a DMR net. I serve as net control for the uh, uh, DMR net for the Wichita Amateur Radio Club. And it's uh, on uh, Talk Group Central Kansas. That's uh, 31204, uh, if anyone would like to check in. That's at 545 Central Time uh, on uh, Sundays. Uh, so we've got some good videos. We'll have them for you a little bit later. George, back to you. Okay, Dale. Sounds good. And of course, tonight you could, I think you could hear him in the background there a little bit. You know, Gordo's the the man who takes it every week, at least every week that he's here. I told him I was going to throw him the ball and he would catch it and just run with it. So let's see how Gordo does tonight and what you've got in store for us. Oh, we have excitement. First of all, um, it's Oranids or Orionids or however you say it. It's the meteor shower and it's going to be occurring every evening uh, at about uh, two in the next morning all the way up to four in the morning. So you early birds get up early and take a look. And look, speaking of throwing a ball in my court, look what I found at Pacificon. This is one input and three different outputs for three different types of phones for emergency communicators. That was the biggest thing we found out at Pacificon, and that was the residents that unfortunately from the fires evacuated. Oh, they brought their phones, but they didn't bring the chargers. And one of the hams had one of these guys with one input and three outputs, and um, they were charging more phones and you can uh, shake a uh, stick out. We also have a geomagnetic storm warning this uh, Thursday and this Friday, tomorrow and the next day. Um, a huge hole in uh, the sun's surface, as you can see here, is uh, creating uh, quite a storm. And uh, for those of you in Washington and all of the states bordering uh, Canada and Canada bordering Alaska. You might even be seeing an aurora. And just before we head for Pacificon, many of you said, where do you get these lighted signs? Well, they used to come from a veteran of ours, a great friend, but now they are available from LaserWorks. Uh, 405 Laser Works. Also, the uh, lighted signs come from Gifts for Hams. So if you'd like to have uh, your own lighted sign with your own call letters, and you can have pretty much anything inscribed on it, do it. Uh, they're good people, and they'll take great care of you. Well, let's take a look and see what happened this past weekend in Northern California. Let's go ahead and roll Pacificon. Pacificon is run by the Mount Diablo Amateur Radio Club. But wait a minute, about six other clubs bring in 20 to 30 members to help out as well. And Pacificon is again back at San Ramon at uh, the Marriott. 
And let me tell you, this Marriott was standing tall, and they took the weight out of everything. That is W-A-I-T. They had nice concessions outside where you could get a burger or a hot dog, not at $105, but a modest $4 to $6. And they were delicious. But the best part is you didn't miss any of the action as Pacificon was rolling. We pulled in uh, Thursday to uh, talk to the Benicia Amateur Radio Club all about emergency comms. And the big question is, what's this thing about the state of California uh, uh, finding that uh, ham radio is no longer a benefit? Well, this comes from a uh, squabble between uh, a ham group and uh, Cal State uh, Fire. And uh, so Cal Fire uh, had a ham radio group. And uh, they had their um, uh, very, very nice outfitted volunteer operated uh, ham radio command center as one of those that you would see out front at Pacificon. And they said, oh, boy, oh, boy, this is just totally blown out of proportion that it's not near as bad for uh, those that work closely with their served agency. So lesson learned, work closely with your served agency. So when the served agency uh, inventory specialist goes in there and sees a Kenwood uh, rather than a Motorola or one of the other uh, uh, emergency radios, they know what it's for. They know all that hams do. And during the fires last year, up in uh, the Bay Area, um, they, um, the hams, uh, the, one of their greatest roles was providing uh, cell phone recharging and also taking the individual firefighters and getting them uh, phone patch to uh, their loved ones or at least a message to their loved ones. Having a great time putting out fires won't be home for another week, but at least they knew that they were alive and well because many of the areas had no cellular coverage, had no Internet but they did have ham radio. So volunteers, if you're working with a served agency, make sure that uh, you're working closely with them so that uh, they know that that gear uh, at their uh, tower and their blockhouse is indeed ham radio gear supporting them. Well, we started out uh, with uh, a, a ham radio instructor academy as well as a breakfast. Bob Heil was there. We had a wonderful time, and let me tell you, the Pacificon crowd, and Pacificon, by the way, is just uh, inland from the Bay Area, was there. And Friday afternoon, usually Friday's not a big day for any ham fest. They usually stay open for like three hours, and we get a trickle of people. Holy smoly. Here at Pacificon, they came roaring in. And uh, as you can see, we had scouts because this was the Jota weekend. And um, uh, we had uh, more people you could shake a stick at. So Bob and I were quite busy uh, meeting all of our fans of Ham Nation. And, uh, you know, Randy, he was there. In fact, he was uh, last week at the studio and uh, was always there uh, working uh, all of the ham radio uh, uh, activities and the booths. There's Jerry and Amy. You saw them. Yep. Uh, they were there, and they were mobbed. They had folks coming all over wanting to uh, join aboard uh, the sponsorship of uh, some of these great uh, 3D glasses, and uh, they just see 
all sorts of uh, projects that could be worked into what they're looking at as viewing as the ham radio world. In fact, uh, one of the exhibitors even had a... Um, uh, SDR display uh, that was in three dimension. Well, not quite 3D without uh, the Jerry and Amy glasses and uh, program. But uh, let me tell you, if you're into uh, SDR and into big displays and into FT8, Wow, those manufacturers and all the majors, most of the majors were there uh, at this uh, great uh, ham convention uh, in San Ramon. <clears throat> A very popular area throughout the Friday night, all day Saturday and Sunday morning was the kids soldering. And uh, notice that uh, everybody has protective lenses on, and uh, they uh, put together a small little uh, CW oscillator. And let me tell you, when that thing squeaked as it should and give off dits and dashes, uh, uh, they were just delighted that uh, such a thing was doing so well. And uh, as we walk the floor, oh, there's one, uh, one happy camper. Uh, that's Ray showing off his new uh, QRP rig uh, that is really going to, I think, set some real standards. I think it's the 705. Uh, but uh, let me tell you, everybody was just oogling over it. You can see the ICOM personnel with big smiles saying, uh, for you QRPers or those that go summits on the air, We've got the radio for you. Probably won't see it for another six to eight months. Maybe uh, it'll preview a date next year for uh, sale in quantity. But uh, ICOM uh, booth was just flooded the entire uh, time. Kids, you know, we go to a lot of ham fests and we don't see a lot of kids. They've that is the Mount Diablo Amateur Radio Club. Uh, Misa and all her team really went all out to ensure that scouts for Jota Weekend were there taking part. The ARRL had a wonderful W1AW Portable 6 station, and it was great. The entire uh, floor was just packed, and it really didn't give any of the exhibitors a chance to uh, get a uh, Coca-Cola or take a break. But... Mount Diablo Amateur Radio Club and the surrounding clubs in the area made it a point to come around and give us sandwiches and cold drinks. That's taking care of exhibitors. And uh, it was uh, a very, very welcome sight when you see these uh, pretty ladies coming by with a push cart with all sorts of uh, great munchies on it. That Saturday night, Bob Interbetson of the American Radio Relay League, Bob uh, holds uh, many things that he does there. But let me tell you, folks, if ever there's someone that's coming up through the ranks and ultimately, I hope, rising to the tip top, Bob's the guy. He does probably 20 to 25, maybe even 30 ham fests a year. He had everybody in stitches in a captivated banquet speech. So, uh, Bob, thank you for representing the American Radio Relay League. You were so friggin' funny at uh, Pacific Con 2019. But you know, no ham fest is a ham fest unless you have an outside or an inside swap meet. But if you're going to be a real ham, you got to get there real early. 
And uh, this was real early, uh, sort of a uh, time-lapse uh, photo there. And uh, as the swap meet uh, got rolling at about 5.30 to 6 in the morning, the fog was so thick that even hams that brought their 2,000 uh, lumen uh, flashlights to look at all the goodies, <laughs> uh, they could not miss uh, uh, what they were despite the fog. But an hour later... San Francisco fog comes in like little cat's feet. The fog had lifted, and presto, you could then have sunshine. And look at this tube collection. We'll learn more about this tube collection in a few more uh, issues, but um, it was uh, quite a sight to see some of these high-powered tubes in, uh, in the uh, flesh. And I want to say that swap mate was put together by the Livermore Amateur Radio Club, and that's club with a K. They call themselves LARC, and they were there to really run that swap mate. Well, we booked out on uh, late uh, Sunday and Monday coming back down the coast. Uh, that's Tracy, WM6T, Jody, WA6JL. They had all the gear to play ham radio on our way back down as we did on the way up. Here, Tracy is um, uh, making uh, uh, preparation to go on the air. Notice to the left of his left hand is the little bioino, huge battery. 4.5 amp hours, but it was plenty to run the KX2, and uh, Tracy was picking up uh, all sorts of stations, and probably uh, the fact that we had a whole bunch of water right next to us uh, uh, gave us a good shot at um, uh, being able to um, get that uh, station uh, rolling and really doing its thing, and it did, and Tracy then went from the loop over to, as he plugs it in here, the long wire. And the long wire was just uh, thrown over a tree and uh, had a good counterpoise to it. And again, reception was just terrific. There were several contests going on. And with uh, 10 watts of uh, power, you're not going to beat a contest station. But boy, oh boy, we sure had a log full of the stations that were just booming in loud and clear. So uh, he played radio. I played uh, in the water and uh, found some neat pieces of quartz and uh, maybe even some gold because we were in one of the gold country uh, waterways there. So uh, we both explored uh, what was out there that would give us some real DX. And again, uh, the little uh, KX2 transceiver uh, was uh, quite a nice performer. And there you can see his feed point on the right uh, to the long wire and uh, to the left that uh, uh, BioNO battery. And let me tell you, Kevin with BioNO, he was there all by himself for the whole ham fest and just did a great job of presenting the latest in battery uh, technology, lithium iron phosphate. And that kept that rig rolling big time. Well, I'm a cat guy. I love dogs as well. But on our way south, it's Cat House on the Kings. And there's Jody. She's getting the pet. And there's Tracy saying, no, you can't bring any home uh, because uh, we have Tesla, our uh, favorite dog. But uh, 
four to 500 cats in about three acres. And let me tell you, uh, they don't have to build any walls to keep the cats in because they've got it so cushy. Uh, they're going to stay there the whole time for the rest of their lives. But they do do adoptions. Cat House on the Kings. That's a river, and no cats have uh, uh, found a way to uh, cross the river and leave their wonderful digs. And uh, every day we stayed on our 40-meter net. Sometimes we couldn't get down to the vehicle <clears throat> to run 100 watts. So what Tracy did was uh, he tied into uh, the remote rig, and uh, he was able to then uh, get a great signal out of Lake Arrowhead. So all of us on the California Rescue Ares net were always in touch. So this is the neat part about uh, ham radio. Ham radio is just something for everyone. And all of you should attend at least four or five conventions uh, a year just to see all the great stuff and to support those manufacturers that uh, help support this net like ICOM America. And uh, those manufacturers that will let you in on a few secrets of what their new rig is going to be all about. We can't wait to see the new ICOM rig. In fact, let's go ahead and check in with ICOM. But remember, next week, I've got a special guest, and it's called Sora Saturdays. And if ever you wanted to get more newcomers to ham radio to come on the air and join your club on a Saturday to figure out programming and so on, Ed from South Orange Amateur Radio Association will be with us, and we're going to have a Sora uh, Wednesday uh, showing off all they do on uh, Saturdays. So let's take a look and see what's happening with ICOM America. Heard it, worked it, logged it. It's time to get the transceiver that's best suited for your lifestyle. ICOM offers a variety of high-performance and innovative products, Make the most out of contest season with one of these ICOMs today. IC7610, the SDR every ham watts. This high-performance SDR has the ability to pick out the faintest of signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling, software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of a SDR transceiver. RF direct sampling 110 RMDR, independent dual receivers, and dual digicell. Or get the IC7300. Changing the way entry-level HF is designed, this high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. Keep your competitive edge with faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. ICOM's IC7851 is the pinnacle of HF perfection. Dual receivers, digital IF filters, memory keyer, digital voice recorder, high-resolution spectrum waterfall display, enhanced PC connectivity, and SD memory card slot. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. And ICOM invites you to enter weekly in their drawings for some great swag prizes like T-shirts and hats at icomamerica.com slash hamnation. You'll automatically be entered in the monthly grand prize drawing for a new radio. And for October, that new radio is going to be the ID4100A entry-level D-Star Mobile with big rig features. 
It's a VHF, UHF, dual band mobile, one band at a time, with built-in GPS, FM, and DV repeater search function, micro SD card slot for voice and data storage. It supports terminal mode and access point mode, and there's downloadable Android and iOS apps available. So go to icomamerica.com slash hamnation after this and each episode and register to win. Sign up. Good luck. And don't forget to follow Icom America Inc. on Facebook and Twitter. This week for Smoking Solder, we're going to take a, a little trip back to a video I shot oh some time ago. I think it was 2014 on working digital modes because there's a lot of new amateurs who have, or, and a lot of old timers too, who've just never got around to doing digital modes. This is just one way to do it right here. It's it's very, very simple to do. There's a lot of free software out there now that you can do it with. Um, well, let's just take a look at it, and we'll talk about it when I get back. Today, we're going to take a look at digital modes on HF, and we're going to do it very simply here. We're just going to listen. We're not going to attempt to transmit. So if you've never worked digital modes before, here's something you can do to kind of get started with it or even if you're not a ham and you have a shortwave receiver of some type, you can do this too. First thing we do is we tune to the portion of one of the bands where there's some digital communications going on. On 20 meters, down around 14.089 megahertz, you'll find some digital signals of various types. I can hear some in the background there right now. These aren't really sounding very good, and there's a reason for that. The first thing you got to do, if you've got any filtering on your rig, you're going to need to turn that off because it's interpreting the digital signals as being noise. So first thing we'll do is turn off our notch filter here. That lets a little signal through and also turn off any DSP noise reduction. Now we can hear signals there where before it was just some uh, clicks and chirps. So how do you get started? Well, if you've got a rig like this IC7700 here, you've got a decoder already built in it. The first thing I want to do on this rig is just go into the mini scope here where I can see the signals on the band and I'll switch over to ready mode and I'll also turn on the decoder. Now we can see right here a little display that's going to show us the peaks. You know, ready has two tones to make a signal and we can see both of these. What we do is just peek them there on the two lines in the rig and that's how we'll know that we're on frequency. And we can see those two peaks are lined up right there, and it's decoding some ready right now. It's uh, decoding W1AW, the ARRL's flagship station. And you can see a little noise in between transmissions there. That's not unusual. Uh, we could turn up our squelch or RF gang there to get rid of that if we wanted to. That's not what I'm here to talk about today. You know, most folks don't have a rig that has a decoder already built in it. So let's just look at this using a regular type of receiver and our PC sound card. So we'll come back out of all this, and we'll just go back into regular sideband mode here. And we'll tune until we hear those ready sounds. There, we can hear them right there. Now what we do is we feed the output of this rig from the speaker jack into the input on our sound card and then we run some software 
And there are several different packages out there. The one I usually use is from Ham Radio Deluxe. It's their Digital Master 7080 package that comes with the program. You can see down here at the bottom of the screen, there's our two tones right there. And they're being decoded up here in the receive window. And we can see other stuff going on on the band either side of the frequency we're tuned on. But it's only decoding what's highlighted right here. If I had not tuned to this exact spot, if I was off just a little bit, the tones would sound different. And you'd notice that they're showing up on a different place on the display here. All we got to do is click over here so that it can tune back in and pick up right there. Now, I've got the AFC mode turned on. You can see the button up here at the top. And what that does is it'll automatically, within certain range, adjust the frequency here up or down as need be because a lot of times both stations that you're hearing here will be on slightly different frequencies and the software can automatically retune to get right on top of the frequency that that particular station is transmitting on. Right now, W1AW is just ID, and I suppose he's waiting for someone to come back to him. And we could do that, but uh, we're not transmitting today, so we're just going to listen here for a minute and see. And there's a station picking him up now, N2ESP. And you notice right there, there's a slight shift in frequency between these two stations, but our software is correcting itself to keep everything tuned in properly. Now, this is the middle of the morning, and there's not a lot of activity right now. At night, and uh, particularly during a contest, you'll see these signals all up and down the display here. Ritty's not the only mode there is, so let's take a look at another really popular digital mode. And that's PSK31. And I've changed frequencies here a little bit to try to find some PSK31, and I think I found some signals there. Same thing applies here. If you've got any filtering on, you better turn that off or else it's going to kind of cancel out your tones. We'll see our PSK31 signal right here, and you notice it's much narrower than the Ritty signal was, so it doesn't take as much bandwidth. And we're decoding right now. It looks like it's W4RSD. Now, the band's not very crowded this morning, Typically at night, you would see these signals just filling up the display here. You find one you're interested in, go click on it, and you'll notice every now and then there's some characters that don't belong in the decode here. That's because the signal has just dropped or some noises come in there, and it just can't quite make it out. And these are very weak signals here. I can barely hear them, but the software is decoding it. Now, here's another station up here. I think he's probably running a different mode. If we click on him, we can take a look. Yeah, we're not getting anything there. Now, let's go look for another popular digital mode, probably the oldest one. This is CW, or Continuous Wave, and it's Morse code. We can see several stations on here right now. Let's just pick out a strong one and go click on him and see what he's saying. Now, since a human is sending the CW signal here, his timing might not be exactly on the money like a machine would be, so the software could have a little more problems decoding it. We've got two different signals going over there now. We can just click on whichever one we're interested in. The amateur traffic's not the only thing you're going to find on Ready, Right here on 8.472, 
I'm picking up WLO, which is a ship-to-shore station located in Mobile, Alabama. You can see right now they're sending the weather forecast. Now, there are a ton of digital modes out there. Digital Master 780 decodes a lot of them, but there's a lot more, and some of them are encrypted. You'll never be able to decode them, but it's a lot of fun. So tune around, see what you can hear, run it into your software, and see if you can decode it. It can be a lot of fun. And and it is, and since I made that video, there's a lot of other modes that are popular today, like... Uh, JT65 and FT8 are real popular. And there's another software package as well. Digital Master 780 is good, but a lot of people use FL Digi, which is a, a free software that's out there. You can download and works with most any device. Um, I say device, computer. Uh, there's a version for Windows. There's a version for Linux. I believe there's one for Mac. Um, there's you can even run it on your Raspberry Pi. So uh, a lot of good packages out there, not just those, but uh, a number of others as well. The big thing I will say, make sure you turn off your DSP noise filtering and any notch filtering on your radio. When you're going to do this, if you've got the notch filter on, you could lose it altogether. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> well, that really kind of, will notch out the frequency that you're trying to hear and you just won't have anything there but a lot of clicks so uh, digital modes can be a lot of fun so if you've never done it before hey you don't need anything but you know just uh, if you just want to listen just plug into the speaker out of your rig and into the sound card input on your computer and download some software that's all there is to it well i did want to remind you that randy is still looking for uh, your projects. He wants to know what you've been building. And no videos, please, just photos and descriptions. Send them to hamprojects at twit.tv, and you could be included in a few episodes, uh, in a future episode, excuse me, of show us your projects. He's collecting videos right now, or photos to make videos with, so uh, get yours to him right away. Uh, another thing I want to mention is, you know, uh, I just gave away that IC7300, and we talked about that last week here. And I've got another contest going on right now. This is just a, a one-shot deal here that we're running over at Amateur Logic. Thanks to our friends at MFJ, I've got a Rick Pie Station server. You might remember uh, Howard Nurse being on here a few weeks back and talking about this device. It's the MFJ1234. It's got a Raspberry Pi in it. You just plug it into the Internet and program it up, connect your rig to it. And if you're lucky enough to have one of the newer rigs that has USB ports on it, you don't even have to make the audio connections. Just plug it in the USB there. You can go off and leave this and your rig on. Take your cell phone, your iPad, your Android, connect right to it with almost any web browser, and you're on the air remotely from wherever you are. RigPi Station Server is a great little project that it's been in development for several years. I talked to Howard about this two or three years ago, and uh, it is finally out there now, and 
hearing nothing but good things about it. So if you'd like to win that, well, uh, here's all you need to do is uh, go to amateurlogic.tv slash contest. You'll get the details right there on how to register. Like I say, you need to register uh, once sometime uh, in the next couple of weeks because we, we're we only giving away one of these, and that'll be uh, the 15th of November. Amateurlogic.tv slash contest. Go get your entry in now. And what else? Well, we have Don here tonight who has got a special install video. I, he told us about it a little bit earlier uh, before the show. I, I didn't completely understand it. So, Don, what's going on here? Well, Grasshopper, you pay close attention and all will become evident. If, uh, if you're an amateur radio, mainly a mobile VHF, UHF operator, um, you know that as you're driving down the road, especially if you're doing it mobile, um, you got to keep your eyes on the road. You got to keep your wits about you. Well, Paul Brown, WD9GCO, one of the voices that you hear uh, on amateur radio newsline quite often, uh, had a novel idea for how to keep his hands on the wheel and still be able to operate the radio. He can keep one hand on the steering wheel at all times, either one, and still key his radio. Watch this video. It's pretty slick. Hi, I'm Paul, WD9GCO. I've been a ham since, oh, way longer than I care to think about. I'm here to talk about the radio installation in my car. Now, it's different. Uh, it's quite a bit different than a lot of your installations, but we all have different circumstances. We all want different things. So this is a look into what I wanted out of the installation in my car, how I wanted it to work, and how I finally managed to implement it with the help of some people. And I thought I would show you so you can get some ideas. So let's take a look and see what we've got. This is my car, 2018 Subaru Impreza Sport, named Serenity. Yes, that's where I got its name from. My goals for the project, these are the things that I considered most important. A clean, professional look, hide the ugly parts as much as possible, and have easy, convenient access to the controls. But most importantly, it was important that operation while driving be as hands-free as possible. The equipment for the project, the primary radio is a Kenwood TMV-71A. Secondary is a Connect System CS-800D. Here's all of the parts laid out, preparation for the project to begin. And now for the tricky bits. What I really wanted was wheel-mounted push-to-talk. After half a dozen failed experiments, I had a brainstorm. Yes, Don, that was the breeze you felt. My car has a five-speed manual transmission. The automatic version also uses shifter paddles, and that was the answer. Maybe. I ordered a set of paddles, and I asked my mechanic for a copy of the schematic for the wiring in the steering column. My mechanic rocks. He gave me one. I learned how to remove the airbag without having it explode in my face. <laughs> that shows it right there. That's the airbag hanging loose, and that's after it's been disconnected and put away safely. That's the backside of the steering wheel after it was removed from the column, showing the mounting points for the shifter paddles. And those are the paddles. I wired them in parallel, so both of them are just simple push-to-talk. That's one of them in place, and that shows the back of the steering wheel with the updated shroud and both paddles mounted firmly. 
That is the key to everything. That is the roll connector or the clock spring. Inside of that is a spiral flat ribbon cable that winds and unwinds as you steer. That connects all of the electronics in the wheel with the wiring harness. However, the wiring harness for the manual does not have the wires for those paddles. does have the holes in the plug, though. So the green wires you see on the left are ones that I forced into the empty holes in the plug. They made connections with the pins on the roll connector, and that becomes the push-to-talk connection from the car to the radio. And what you see here is everything back in place. You can see where my hands rest on what is essentially now squeeze-to-talk controls that move with the steering wheel. Okay, so the upshot of everything I showed you is this. And this is how it works. If I'm out driving and I want to use the radio, I pick up the headset. Just put it on, adjust the mic so it's close to my mouth. That way it doesn't pick up the road noise, and it just picks up my voice. If I want to talk, both hands on the steering wheel, fingers on the shifter paddles. Like I said, they're wired in parallel, so it doesn't matter if I've got my left hand on the wheel and I need to shift or I need to adjust the volume, I can keep talking with this hand over here. If I need to turn the uh, turn signal, or if I need to adjust a mirror or a window, I can keep this hand over here. Otherwise, both hands on the wheel. Either way, I can keep talking. So if I want to talk, all I do is I just push the paddle. This is WD9GCO Mobile for a radio check. And I've keyed the radio. I'm Paul Brown, WD9GCO from Amateur Radio Newsline. Have a good evening. 73. Yeah, make sure you check out uh, that uh, search for Paul Brown on YouTube and check out the fullness. He's got like a 10-minute video on that thing. So pretty slick. I got to see that when uh, he met me up in Peoria, Illinois for the Peoria Superfest and rode around in the car. And it's a really cool installation. And if you search for him on uh, YouTube, you spell his last name Braun, like the razor, B-R-A-U-N, not B-R-O-W-N. It's pronounced Brown, spelled Braun. Uh, He's goofy. That's just one of the small ways that he's goofy. But uh, good guy and a great install, and that's using your head. It's thinking. That's what uh, ham radio is all about, figuring out a different way to go about doing something and keep yourself safer on the road as well. Now, let's go ahead and get into the news of the week from Amateur Radio Newsline. Again, no solar update tonight because uh, Dr. T has been a little bit under the weather, so we wish her well. But uh, here's the news of the week from Newsline. From Amateur Radio Newsline Report, number 2190, these are the Ham Nation headlines for Wednesday, October 23, 2019. We begin this week's report from wildfire-plagued California and an unprecedented multi-day power shutdown by Pacific Gas and Electric. In the Los Angeles area, Jim K6JAT, the ARRL Pacific Division Director, told Newsline that Oakland Aries and Racy's amateurs reported to the Emergency Operations Center and began fire patrols in the Oakland Hills, joined by city police vehicles and fire department units equipment. In Los Angeles, Marty N6VI, training officer for the City Fire Department's Auxiliary Communication Service, said the Northwest District of Los Angeles Aries activated at two San Fernando Valley shelters. A resource net was operated by the Los Angeles Fire Department's Auxiliary Communication Service. In Mono County, Emergency Coordinator Paul Dosty, KK6BAF, said hams assisted at a faith-based senior center. 
In Calaveras County, Emergency Coordinator Sam Hernandez, WS6P, gave updates twice a day using Aries Connect. Newsline anchor Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. The reports were similar from counties all over California, and the outage postponed the usual Wednesday night live Ham Nation netcast. It was delayed until the following Saturday. If you're an extra-class operator with the goal of earning your Worked All States Award on 80 meters, an old friend is back to help. Its formal name is the Greetings Extra Radio Amateurs Tired of Operating Lately Net. Its short name is the Geritol Net. That's spelled G-E-R-A-T-O-L. Not to be confused with the elixir once advertised on American TV for people of a certain age. Kevin, N1KL, has posted on the QRZ forums that the net has resumed meeting as of October 1st, and the action gets underway on 3.667 MHz starting at 0100 UTC plus or minus QRM. The goal beyond fostering fellowship is to help extra-class amateurs log new states toward the big award. In the meantime, to keep everyone motivated, the net offers a number of other awards along the way. If you're interested and are ready to fire up the rig on 80 meters, visit geritol.net to find out more. Again, that's spelled G-E-R-A-T-O-L. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jim Dameron, N8TMW. The changing of the guard continues. Neil Rapp has news of another amateur radio pioneer to take his signal on up the band. The co-founder of a company that brought top-of-the-line amateur radio transceivers into the market in the late 1960s has become a silent key. Harold Johnson, W4ZCB, died October 11 after a long engineering career. He was a co-founder of Signal One, which arrived on the scene with its CX-7, the company's original transceiver model, considered state-of-the-art for the era. Harold had been working at Electronic Communications Incorporated, a veteran of the U.S. Air Force, which he served as a pilot and engineer. The North Carolina resident was a member of the Quarter Century Wireless Association. Harold Johnson was 92. And that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline, your independent source for amateur radio news for four decades and counting at arnewsline.org. With Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, Jim Dameron, N8TMW, Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the News Desk in New York, and our news team across the globe, I'm Don Wellbanks, AE5DW73. We'll see you next time here on Ham Nation. All right, and thanks, of course, to uh, everybody with the Amateur Radio Newsline crew. Good stuff and a good crew. Want to tell you a little bit about LDG Electronics now. Great, uh, great little aid for your shack if you need a tuner. And even if you don't need a tuner, sometimes you don't necessarily want to use the tuner that's built into your radio, and LDG uh, provides state-of-the-art automatic antenna tuners for every amateur need, from QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote. An LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna, and they use a lightning-fast proprietary tuning algorithm. Check out the LDG AT1000 Pro 2. That is the flagship automatic antenna tuner. It's made for high-power hams. It'll handle 1,000-watt sideband, 500-watts FM and digital. It'll tune from 1.8 to 54 megahertz continuously, It'll match your Yagi, your dipole, your inverted V, sloper, virtual, any coax-fed antenna from 6 to 1,000 ohms in impedance. And tuning time is typically under 10 seconds. Memory tuning, under two-tenths of a second. That's 0.2 seconds. There's a large, easy-to-read bar graph wattmeter and two selectable ranges, too. Dual antenna switch, 2,000 memories for each position. It's a cool bit of kit. And LDG is a cool company. It's a family-owned company, family-operated, too. 
dedicated to bringing innovative quality products to the amateur market. The focus is on anticipating and meeting your needs and then providing you with world-class support that is just a phone call or an email away. And all LDG tuners carry a full two-year warranty, and it's fully transferable. So if you ever sell or give away your LDG tuner, the remainder of the warranty goes with it. Free return shipping on all warranty repairs, too, should you need that. And all LDG products, including balance and cables, are available for purchase through select resellers. So I want you to go and check out which automatic antenna tuner is right for you. And you can do that at ldgelectronics.com. That's where you go to learn more, ldgelectronics.com. And we certainly thank LDG Electronics for their support of Ham Nation. Dale is back, and he's got uh, some more viewer videos for us tonight. Uh, so, Dale, what have we got? Hey, Don, thanks a lot. I enjoyed the video about the hands-free driving. That was uh, very nice. Uh, three nice videos here on the uh, Video segment two, uh, we've got Arizona Soda Madness. Uh, crazy. Uh, radio Tech Tour aboard the battleship Iowa. That's impressive, too. And uh, a YLRL overview. I hope you enjoy them all. We'll jump right in first with a look at the impressive communication center of the battleship Iowa. The video's from Matt. He's WA6AJC. Today, we'll take a look at the equipment in Facilities Control 1. Facilities Control 1 contains some of the legacy equipment that was in actual use when the Iowa was in naval service. Much of the equipment has been restored and is operational. This equipment is used for special events such as the annual Armed Forces Day crossband test or Museum Ships Weekend event. The Battleship Iowa can be identified under the call sign NEPM for the crossband test and NE6PM during Museum Ships Weekend. Either call sign indicates that our legacy equipment is being used. Facilities Control is located just aft of the Iowa's Message Center, and your host will be our Gray Radio Gang Supervisor, Gary, WA6MEM. Good morning, and welcome to the Battleship Iowa. Uh, this is known in FATCON, the, uh, the area where uh, the communications center would take place on board the ship. Uh, and like all radio communication systems, you have both a receiver and a transmitter side. Uh, all of the receivers are located in here. Uh, the receivers are R1051 models, uh, built in about 1981 or 82. So the way the ship operates is the uh, antennas are connected to this patch panel up here. Uh, you'll see that each receiver has a port, receivers 1 through 16, and then uh, each one of these uh, ports goes to a preamplifier and filter tuner. And this helps uh, all the receivers work simultaneously on the same set of antennas. So the way you would do it is you would set a frequency on the R1051s that we'll look at in just a moment. You would optimize this preamplifier for the exact same frequency. Uh, and then you would do that for each selected channel that was being set up for standard communications that the Navy might have going on that particular day. So after the preamps are completely optimized, uh, the receivers are right here. Uh, the receivers would be selected for uh, whatever communications frequencies that were being required. Uh, you can see that this top one is tuned for WWV on 15 megahertz. This one is 10 megahertz. <clears throat> uh, and then these receivers would then have their audio uh, patched over to this large patch panel over here. Uh, 
Now this patch panel allows you to select any one of the all the different equipments here in the in FATCON to be routed into a set of trunk lines. Uh, these trunk lines would then be sent over to the coke with well, the thing we call the coke machine, which is nothing more than a big telephone switch panel, if you will. So um, on board the ship, if let's say the admiral had a call set up to uh, another ship someplace, or maybe even to a, a center on on, la on mainland. Uh, that call would be set up by setting up the frequencies on the radio. Uh, the transmitters, two decks below, would be set up for a particular frequency. And then we would route the call through, through this machine to one of the red phones that's located uh, over here on this desk. Uh, there are a multitude of those red phones on board. There are roughly uh, 40 of them that can be used uh, at any time by anybody on the ship that's uh, required for communication. So, if we wanted to route the audio to a specific red phone, and let's take it to that one there, uh, the operator would come over here to a button and hit assign. He would punch the line button, and this happens to be line four. And let's say the audio that we want to use is on one of those trunk lines, and this, in this case, we'll call it trunk one one. We hit the enter button, and it says that the circuit is complete. And, in fact, you would look over on the red phone there, and you'd see the red light has come on, indicating that it's connected to the network. In addition to... Um, so the operator, or whoever's getting the call, would just pick it up. And under normal transmission, you'd hear the audio up here in the receiver. And then the transmitter microphone is here. And it's just like anything else we would use for uh, for communications, it's push to talk. And when that button is pressed, it would key one of the 1,500-watt transmitters that's located down in the transmitter room on the third deck. That was Matt's part one video of the Iowa's Communications Center. He also offered a part two tour. We have that video uh, in hand here. Uh, if you'll let me know if you'd like to see more of uh, this tour of the Battleship Iowa Communications Center. Uh, let me know and we'll um, make sure we get it on the next video segment. Well, next, Ann Dirkman, an officer of the YLRL, gives us an overview of that group's activities. The video comes courtesy of Dan, N9LVS. Hi, I'm Ann, KC9YL, and I'm the DX Treasurer for the YLRL, Young Ladies Radio League Incorporated. We are based in the U.S., but we have international members totaling about 500. We promote with women in amateur radio and offer many support avenues, such as weekly nets on HF and DMR, which is a new digital net that we have started, and Echolink. Uh, the Thursday night net happens to be a very popular net that um, ladies like to check into. We offer scholarships every year, $3,000 scholarships for young ladies who are in the ham radio field. They have to be licensed operators and going for some sort of higher education. We have conventions every few years. The last convention was last year in Oklahoma City. We had about 40 of our YL members attend. And we have conferences, contests that are YL and YLOM contests throughout the year. We have certificates that members can apply for and earn. We have a great um, 
means of support as far as information. Our membership dues are $15 per year, and that includes a bi-monthly publication. We have uh, YLRL Harmonics that we publish with stories and information about YLs and their events throughout the world, their local operations, DX operations, travels that they have during am- regarding ham radio and get to hear about other people throughout the world as far as what they're doing and what the ham radio hobby means to them. YLRL also has a Facebook page and we have Facebook chat also available with that and we'll use those sometimes in conjunction with our weekly nets. And we have an all-inclusive website, ylrl.org, which tells you all about the ham radio organization for ladies and just gives you little guidelines as far as what it is that we do and talks about the scholarships. There's membership applications. We just began membership renewals through and use PayPal, which has proven to be a nice time saver for us. And hopefully that will help boost our membership a little bit and just make the access for the group a little bit easier. Hope to see you on the air. 73. Well, thanks, Ann. And thank you, Dan, for sending that video. We do appreciate all the work you do for Ham Nation. In fact, uh, one of these segments coming up pretty soon, I think we'll uh, get that video out where you show how to build an on-the-air light uh, for your ham shack. Uh, that's a real nice video. It uh, fell through the cracks earlier in the year. Dan reminded me uh, during the past several weeks. So we'll see if we can get that one on for you uh, also. We'll uh, wrap up the segment tonight with a bit of Arizona soda to soda madness. That's uh, summits on the air. And uh, with the long trek up Kendrick Peak, here's Keith. Well, good morning. It's Saturday, September 28th, 2019. I'm about ready to start my hike up to the top of Kendrick Peak to uh, set up my amateur radio station and participate in the Arizona 10-point Summit to Summit Madness Day. I just passed the mile, one mile up point. Um, Kind of steep, but not too bad. And uh, really well-defined trail, which is nice. I just reached two miles up and uh, about 8,800 feet elevation now. And I'm definitely in the clouds. I just passed three miles and uh, just heard some howling. I just passed the four mile mark and uh, almost at 10,000 feet now. And it's gotten considerably windier. And the wind is also blowing uh, the moisture as well as blowing drops of water off the treetops. Thank you. 
Okay, I'm wrapping up uh, my activation of Kennard Peak. I set up a little bit below the actual summit in the activation zone, but uh, the observation tower is right there. Um, but the wind was so strong, it actually uh, took my mast and antenna down when I set up at the top. So I just came right over the edge and uh, much quieter. And since then, uh, that was a few hours ago, it's actually quieted down quite a bit. There's still a bit of wind, but uh, most of the cloud cover has kind of moved away and the wind stopped. Bands were pretty good today and uh, boy, summit to summit, I don't know how many I got, but an awful lot. I know I got about 80 some uh, contacts, probably about 85 contacts, and I would guess that maybe uh, at least a third of those were summit to summits. Lots of guys up on on hills today. Um. Okay, well, Keith, thanks for showing us uh, what it's like to activate a 10,000 plus foot peak. Uh, here's a few of the stats, by the way, from the event Keith was participating in. There were 23 Arizona activators. They operated from 27 different 10-point summits in Arizona. Keith himself activated three during the day's events. The operators made nearly 1,100 QSOs on nine different bands. Almost uh, 450 of those were contacts with operators on other summits. And there is a portion of ham radio where you really have to work for it. Uh, when I walked every day a few years ago, a five-mile five hike was uh, nice on the Kansas flatlands, but it would be a lot of work going uphill 10,000 feet, I'll, I'll tell you. Well, that's it. That's going to be a wrap for the ninth Ham Nation video segment for 2019. Uh, you keep those videos coming in. Please do. Uh, we like to have some to show uh, every two or three weeks. Uh, we can't wait to show yours. And uh, if you're a little uh, shaky, you don't know quite what to do, you have some questions about producing a video, please send us an email or give me a call. Ham Nation videos at twit.tv. That's the 
email address that's on your screen, and we'll be glad to help you out. Well, that's it for here. 7-3, but next on Ham Nation, it's not over. It's Amanda and her report from the chat room. Live from Canyon City in Colorado, here's Amanda. Hi, thanks, Dale. Appreciate that. And uh, some great videos there. All right, let's uh, go over what I have tonight. First, um, Gordo, we have a couple questions for you. Uh, ZL1KFM Kevin wants to know, you have a strobe light behind your name display that changes every time you uh, transmit. Did you build that? Uh, if not, where did you get it from? It looks very interesting. <laughs> you know, it is. A lot of people ask about that, Amanda. And um, uh, what that is, is a sound activated uh, neon, that's right, high voltage neon uh, pair of tubes. And I got it at a party store of all places. So uh, if our uh, Delta Lima station uh, overseas would like to go to a party store in his country or her country, uh, you might find one. And it's simply a voice-activated neon tube that oscillates up and down <clears throat> with the spoken word. Neat, huh? Very neat. Uh, that's pretty sweet, actually. I think we all enjoy that. Uh, all right, Gordo, one other question, and this one's been a long time asked, and we really haven't ever had time to cover it. So, um, and I know you did a long interview with another um, publication, but what sparked your interest in getting into ham radio? Why, why, are, you, why are you a ham radio operator? Well, this is going to be very common to many ham radio operators. Uh, at about age four or five, I had an AM clock radio. And at night, I would just sort of cycle through and turn the dial. And I was amazed at nighttime that I would be picking up stations uh, 800, 700 miles away. And I thought, why can't I do that during the day? And then uh, my uh, mom's brother, Ben, says, you need to be a ham radio operator. Gosh, I was only like four or five years old. I didn't know a ham from a turkey. And uh, he kept sending me info. So it was a um, medium frequency, shortwave listening on the AM radio band. And I encourage everybody, if you've got kids, get them tuned in and turned on after sunset to try and pick up KOMO, maybe up in uh, Seattle or KSL in Salt Lake City. And you East Coasters, you got plenty of powerhouses, and uh, we just need to tell the kids, don't tune to the real loud ones, but rather get the little weak ones and get them all tuned in and listen on the half hour and the hour for their station call sign. So AMDXing was my intro to ham radio, Amanda. Oh, I find that really fascinating, actually. And um, as do SWLers even send out carts to these radio stations and say, hey, I heard you at this time on this date, uh, basically just like your QSL card. And in fact, there's a whole uh, club associated with it. It's the, uh, boy, I do their printing and I can't remember it. But anyhow, everybody sends in their reports every month and they, they publish a publication about it and you get to see who heard what. So um, it's pretty interesting stuff. So thanks, Gordo, for that. Um, let's see. I have some announcements. Don't forget, this weekend is the big CX 
contest weekend. So I hope you'll all be operating. Uh, what about you three fellows? You all going to be participating? <clears throat> um, Gordo will. Yep, I'll be Maritime Mobile. So look for me about uh, 14, uh, 14310 Maritime Mobile this weekend for the big contest uh, for Sideband. Nice. And you, George? Maybe. We've got some severe weather moving through this weekend, so it depends on how much lightning there is in the area, whether or not um, I'll take the chance. Okay, and what about you, Dale? Uh, we'll be listening for sure. We usually check into the U.S. Coast Guard net at noon on uh, Saturday and then listen around the 20-meter band for a while, so we'll probably listen. A good tip for uh, some of the uh, young newcomers out there as far as these contests go if you're trying to uh, rack up some new countries, uh, what I do is sort of watch the uh, spotting channels and look for uh, countries with from stations that have uh, their entry marked uh, uh, QSLs via LOTW. And then I try to work them uh, if it's a country I hadn't worked before. And you can pick up a lot of new countries that way. So. Uh, uh, give it a try. I think we'll probably be taking a listen to see what we hear uh, on 20 there uh, come this weekend. Amanda? Great. And um, I'm getting serious about working. Um, and this is a really hard goal. So I thought I would start at a young age. I've printed out from the AWRL all of my DX contacts and what I'm missing. I'm sorry, that made it look a little uh, wavy. Um, but I have this whole thing now, this whole grid. So if I hear Brazil and I haven't worked them on 80 meters, I'm getting serious about logging them and making sure they're an LOTW um, user because I want to work on that. All right. Um, also, don't forget Pitcairn Island is out there and uh, we worked them on 15 meters. We haven't had a chance to work them on anything else yet. One other thing, I had a comment. Um, s some people had made mention in the chat room about Paul Brown's video and saying, well, why not just use Vox? So I have my own personal comment about this. I drive only three miles to work and back, and Vox is a no. It's a no. Mm -mm. Because you never know when that driver's going to cut you off and you're going to say some things that you're going to regret getting picked up on the radio. Just just putting that out there uh you're, not a good idea uh you're absolutely correct amanda many times uh, those stations operating on vox uh, uh relatively quiet frequency you idiot you just cut me off <laughs> oh sorry i was on the air back to you amanda right and uh mine would have to be bleeped so plus uh, then my dog <laughs> you know their dog and they're barking and i'm it's no. It's a no. Hard no. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, Kevin, I know you're TDing tonight. Hello, Kevin. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about the twit.community if you wanted to go to that website. Um, ladies and gentlemen, twit has started up a forum-based website. And this is where you can go and you could make comments on each episode of Ham Nation, or maybe there's other um, shows that you watch through Twit. Wow. Every one of them has their own page. Well, I guess it's a page. It's not really a page. Um, some of the hosts 
have things so you can see they start a new forum for every episode, basically. So you can comment wow. on each episode and you could bring questions there. And I'm going to be browsing through that weekly or biweekly. Um, just kind of a fun thing. So it's twit.community. You know, you'll have to fill out a profile. Here's the coolest thing, though, is that you get like badges for the more activity that you do. So you get one for using an emoji or liking somebody's post or things like that. So check it out if you want to. And um, I think you'll have fun with it, especially if you enjoy the other shows on Twit. Uh, oh, with that, then uh, uh, Amanda, ahead, Amanda, that is so good because... Bob and I talked about it, and we both agree, and I know all of our hosts agree. We want our viewers and our listeners to send us their materials and get it aired as short shots or comments now on the new uh, uh, web uh, that you've uh, created or uh, video shots. But we want this to be your show. We've looked at all the other shows that are trying to uh, come up to speed on our show. And, you know, they're all good. Each show has its own little specialty. But what we want to do with Ham Nation, and this is from this past weekend with Bob Heil, we want to knock your socks off with great stuff, up-to-date stuff, and not just talking heads. So I will no longer be a talking head. Let's hear from you and let's see your videos or your short shots. Short shots um, are uh, going up to Randy and videos are going to Dale. Amanda? Absolutely right. And we just love to have everybody's input. Um, if there's a subject we're not covering enough or if you have something to add to a subject that we did cover, we want to know about it and we'll, we'll talk about it more. Um, all right. With that, let's uh, let's wrap up the show. Let's go over the nets first. I don't believe that there's any HF nets tonight. Kevin, KC7FPF said prop is no bueno for 40 meters. And I have not seen Steve W7UDI on at all for the 75-meter net. So with that, uh, get out your HTs, and we can work some other nets. We've got the D-Star net on 14 Charlie and also DMR on 31.012. So with that, George, I'll let you wrap it up. Okay, Amanda. Thanks, and uh, great to see you as always. And Gordo and Dale and Don and everyone else tonight. It was a great show. Uh, glad that you could be along with us. Uh, before we get out of here, let's make one final pass through. Gordo, any final comments? No, it's it's just such a great um, thrill to do a ham fest and hear so many nice comments, plus so many constructive comments saying, you know, and we listen to them all. I take copious notes. Bob and I compare them. We'll share them with our hosts. But uh, you, the viewers and the listeners, you're our boss. So tell us what you like. And we're one of the few shows that can immediately take action on what you want to see next. And what we'll ask you is, well, if you want to see it, how about giving us a little video or short shots? Back to you, George. Okay, Gordo. Sounds good. Dale, how about you? Hey, uh, George, I'd like to uh, second Gordo's comments there. We'd love to uh, see your videos. Uh, you, you know, you might have an event at the uh, local ham club or you might have a uh, 
uh, project going you've been working on in the shack. Uh, the projects, uh, again, go to Randy, but if you've got something uh, special uh, operating-wise where you'd like to fire up the video camera and show us something, or you're building something outside uh, with antennas or something and you can capture some good video, we'd love to uh, have that. Anything, and if, if you're a little uh, shaky on the video camera and you want a tip or two, uh, do give us uh, an email at uh, hamnationvideos at twit.tv. We will then uh, try to help you out with as many tips as uh, we can. And uh, while we're at it, good luck on the uh, CQ Worldwide DX contest this weekend. And uh, if you'd like to join us on the WARC DMR net where we uh, provide net control services, uh, be glad to see you there. It's on Talk Group. 31204, that's the uh, Central Kansas uh, talk group on Brandmeister. That's it, George. Good night. Have a great one. Okay, Dale. Sounds good. And yeah, Randy is looking for photos of your projects. If you've got photos of what you're working on, send them to him at hamprojects at twit.tv. I'd like to see videos of your projects. If you've got some you'd like to share with us, uh, you can send them to me, George, at amateurlogic.tv. I'd be glad to check them out and uh, perhaps use them here. Amanda, any final thoughts? Nope, I'm just gearing up for some snow that's supposed to be hitting here in about an hour. And it's going to get wow. really cold and really snowy. But hey, we're really looking forward to it because it's going to put out some fires nearby and uh, give us some moisture that we desperately need. I wish California would get the same. Wow. It, it's hard to believe that people are having snow already. We're nowhere <laughs> near that. I mean, we just got out of the 90s here. so. Uh, but it, it is cooling down a little bit. Well, thanks for being with us tonight, everyone. Um, join us again next Wednesday at the same time for another episode of Ham Nation. I don't know exactly what we'll be doing or who will be here, but I can guarantee you it's going to be fun and it's something that you won't want to miss. So George, uh, join George. us next week. Yes. It's the Halloween episode. Bring your costumes. Bring yeah. your costumes. Oh, next week. Okay. Halloween. Woo! Uh, and I wore mine tonight. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 7-3. Good night all. 73. 73.